Thank you for joining us in our podcast today. So excited about sharing some more with you. My name is Alan Spiegel. I'm the founder of Safe Harbor International Network of Ministers, Journey School of Ministry, and GraceChannel.com. And I'm so excited to be able to share some things with you from right here in Madison, uh, Alabama, uh, north part of Alabama, if you're not familiar with that. So excited to be able to share some life-changing truth with you. So I pray you'll open your heart for the next, you know, 15, 20 minutes and, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you about what I'm going to say. Last time we talked about overcoming insecurities, and this is part two of that, overcoming insecurities. And, and, and I pray, and as I've been praying about this, I pray that your heart will be stirred, that you, you will come to a place that you really see yourself the way God sees you. You know, I tell you, when you see yourself the way God sees you, it changes everything. It changes your relationships. It changes your business. It changes everything in your life as you lay hold of what the Bible says about you. Okay, so let's drop back and just for a second and, and define and talk just briefly about what an insecurity is. I encourage you, if you didn't hear last week, go back because and, and listen to it. That's the foundation uh, of where we're going to be going for the next ever how many weeks it turns out to be. I'm not sure yet. But go back and listen to it. But now insecurity, what is it? What is an insecurity? You know, people can define it, you know, many, many, many different ways. But I, I'm going to define it like this. You're, you feel unworthy. Uh, you, you don't feel valued. You, you feel like that you don't matter, that your opinion is not counted, is not taken into consideration. You feel like that you're not as good as everybody else. You're not as talented as everybody else. You are lacking and I know that's a lot of different words to, to uh, you know, put in your head and in your heart and think about this. And but but I want you to think as, as I talk to you for the next 15, 20 minutes, whatever. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what I'm saying, because what He says about what I say is more important than the words that I'm going uh, to to communicate. You know, um, Jesus said this in Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 36 and 37 in, in the Message Bible. I'll just read it uh, off of my iPad here. He said in the Message Bible, he says, what good would it do? Now, this is Jesus talking. You know, when Jesus, I mean, we ought to listen to the Bible, you know, and perk our ears up anytime. But when Jesus is talking, you better listen up. Mark 8, 36 and 37, he said, what good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? And your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So when you look at this, in the process of covering up insecurities, remember, feeling unworthy, not value. My opinion doesn't count. They're smarter than me. They're more educated than me. And, and I, I've, I've been through so many of those things. You know, I, I can remember, you know, starting out in ministry, my reading skills and 
my education level. It's just, it was really, really sad. And I can remember feeling like that. I could be in a room with uh, a group of ministers and feel like I'm the, how could you say it? I'm the low guy. You know, I'm, I'm the low guy on the pole, you know. Uh, I, m- who would want to listen to me? My, my opinion doesn't matter. Uh, I don't. I don't know anything. They're smarter than me. They're more educated than me. They. They. And just you just go down that trail, and it's a never-ending thing that always ends. Listen to this. Always ends in devastation to your emotions. He said, "What would you give? What could you ever trade? What would you be willing to uh, exchange for your mind, will, and emotions?" I've been through a lot of depression. I've been through a lot of dealing with insecurities. And me, you, every one of us, to some capacity, have or are and probably currently dealing with some insecurities in different parts of our life. Phyllis said one time, you know, he said, I don't, I don't have any, and this, this is not uh, just a story I'm telling. It's really happened. He said, I, I, you know, pastor, you said everybody has insecurities. I, he said, I don't have any. I said, really? Well, you need to lay hands on the rest of us or something, you know. You don't have any insecurities. You know, and he was a guy that I knew well enough that I could be very honest with. You, know, you, can't, you can't just say anything to everybody, you know. I learned that the hard way. And I said, you don't have any insecurities. Well, you're, no, I don't have any. I said, well, you're ahead of me. I said, I'm dealing with them, have dealt with them, and will deal with them. I said, no, I think you're probably, again, I can't say this just to anyone, but maybe I can say it to you. If you're sitting there today and you say, you're riding down the road today and or, or whatever, and, and you're listening to this, and you're saying, but I don't really have any insecurities. Well, like I told that guy, maybe you're too insecure to admit your insecurities. Could that be? Could that be it? Could that be? Could that? Could that be the issue? This is scripture, and in, in, in here's the here's the the cure for this. Remember, we talked about last week that when you don't feel good about yourself. You're going to put pressure on people around you to make you feel the way that God can make you feel. If you're married, you'll do it with your spouse. If you have children, you'll do it with your children. Or you'll do it with your parents. You know, I think about doing it with children, how uh, watching our our grandsons and, and watching our daughters, particularly Lori, play in sports growing up. And uh, I was watching our, our grandsons play uh, basketball a few years ago, and 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 I was watching how a particular dad, and not just this one dad, but several different dads, but this guy was just off the chart, screaming at his son. Maybe his son threw the ball away, or maybe he missed a free shot, or he missed a layup, or or didn't guard his man enough. And and man, this guy was absolutely from the bleachers blasting his son. And I thought, you know, this is not the NBA championship. And, sir, I would guarantee you if you played basketball, you missed free shots, 
You missed layups. You didn't guard your guy. You threw the ball away. So why are you screaming at Junior? That little boy got so torn up that he was going to shoot a free shot, and he was nervous because if he misses it, dad's going to chew him out again. And the referee calls a, a, an official timeout, pulls the little boy over to the side. I couldn't hear what was being said, but, but you could tell he was asking, son, why are you crying? And he kind of pointed to his dad, like, because he's screaming at me, if I miss his free shot, I thought, how sad that is. How sad that is that that dad was putting that pressure on that son because of probably his insecurities. How does it make me look if my son misses a layup, misses a free shot, throws the ball away? You know, that's life. You know, so I thought about that a lot since then, you know, different times. How that, how that man was screaming at his son. I, I'm ta- I felt so sorry for the kid. I mean, like, it, it was just unbelievable how he related to his son. And then I thought about this. That's how most people see God. What do you mean? Most people see God as one that's going to scold you, scream at you, get you, punish you, you know, teach you a lesson. Most people view God that way. You know, I've said this a lot through the years, and and sometimes people get confused when I say this because I don't define it uh, well enough, but I'll take just a second to, to try to define it. Listen to this. Now, I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to explain it, so don't. Don't run off and don't turn don't turn the, the, the radio off, okay? You find the God you're looking for. What? If you believe in an impatient God, if you believe in a God that's out to get you, if you believe that you can never satisfy God, you will find circumstances around you and call it God. Call it coming from God. That came from God because of what I did or didn't do. You find the God you're looking for. You know, if you believe in a loving, patient, and kind God, you'll find him. If you believe in one that's hard to get along with, you can never please, you'll find him. Now, it's not that God changes, but we start taking circumstance, circumstances and making that, you know, our... Um, our proof that what we believe is real. This is what it says in, in uh, Ephesians 1.4 in the Message Bible. It says, I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it. If you've never read through from the Message Bible, I really encourage you to do it. Now, not that everything is translated properly, but it's very, very uh, good reading. Easy to understand. Ephesians 1.4, Message. Long before he, talking about God, laid earth's foundation, said he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Let me say it again. Long before he, God, laid earth's foundation, he had me and you in mind. 
He had settled on us as a focus of his love. In other words, you know, we're the bullseye. We're the target that his love was shooting for. We're the focus of his love. Now, listen to what he says. The, the goal of his love is for us to be made whole, and that's emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, physically healthy. The goal of the gospel, the goal of, the, of love is that we might be made whole and holy by his love. Well, well, okay, so I, I grasped that about whole. You know, God wants us to be healthy emotionally, physically, spiritually. You know, when we get born again, our spiritual problems are over. Now we're, we're dealing with a soul problem, mind, will, and emotions. We're dealing with body problems. To be made holy and holy. But what about that holy stuff? You know, it's kind of like holiness and godliness are kind of, to me, one and the same. You may disagree, and that's fine. But I like to define holiness, living a holy life, living a godly life like this. The attitude and character of God. Now, you know, I'm not going to debate theology on those words, and but... Um, God's goal with his love is that we come into a place that we have the attitude and character that he has. Now, if we have the attitude and character that God has, it changes everything. You know, it, it, it changes everything in our life. So when we understand that and we're getting our, our value out of the price that God paid for us in Jesus, and we're no longer looking to our success, the size of our ministry, the size of the house we live in, the car we drive, the business success we have, our spouse, our children, grandchildren, or whatever, and we stop looking at those things are that are external, and we start placing and feeling valued because of what, God did for us in Jesus, you start feeling better about yourself. And when you feel better about yourself, you're going to feel better about other people. And when you feel better about other people, you're going to treat people different. And it's all connected to understanding and believing that I'm worth what God paid for me. I'm valued by God. And, and there's nothing in the world that can ever change that reality. Now think about it. The goal of the gospel, listen to this, listen. The goal of the gospel, you ever thought about what it is? It's not behavior change. You know, uh, if, if I were to ask most people, now you may not be most people, what does God want from us? Now think about that. What, because of what Jesus did, what does he want from us? Well, first of all, he wants us to experience his love. You know, every day your number one responsibility is to feel loved by God because it changes everything. Changes how you live, changes how you treat people, changes everything. When you, when you understand that I'm loved and accepted by God. But if you said what God wants from me is moral devotion, well, there's some reality in that, but that's that's not true. 
Well, are you saying he wants us to get in sin? Absolutely not. You know, I've never said that, been accused of saying that. You can take any tape I've, or, or CD or auto, uh, auto recording that I've done in, in the last 30 years, and you'll never find me saying that it's okay to sin, it's okay to do this, it's okay to It's not there because sin is very destructive. Okay, so he want you know, moral devotion comes out of a relationship. Moral devotion does not gain us accepted. We have moral devotion because we are accepted. Ephesians 2.10. It's right after that scripture, by grace are you saved through faith, that none of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then in verse 10 it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto, excuse me, unto good works, not by good works. Because of who we are and whose we are, we're saved unto good works. In other words, because of who we are, we will automatically, if, if we are experiencing the real love of God, automatically, without even thinking about it, we live better lives. We live better moral lives. You don't have to get up and make yourself live a moral life today. So going back to that verse one more time. Long before he laid earth's foundation, he had us in mind and has settled on us as a focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Now, if you're in ministry, listen to me. I'm, I'm about to wind it up for today. I could go on and on and on trying to break these things down into 15, 20 minute segments. If you're in ministry today, I want you to I want you to understand and please grasp this and let, let the Holy Spirit make it real in your heart. And that is our ministry, our ministry, or you could say it, our business, our whatever. Our ministry was not designed to make us feel good. What? Well, God don't mind you feeling good. He wants you to feel good. Our ministry was not designed to make us feel good. It's designed to make other people feel good. You know, we should go uh, get happy in Jesus and then go out and help other people experience and be happy in Jesus. But it takes a secure person to do that. One that's not depending on their performance, their family's performance, what they drive, what they live in, and any of that, that's, that's, that's all nonsense. All that's going to change. It's, it's subject to change. Like I said last week, if you put your security and you're feeling good in anything you see, you're headed for trouble because everything you see can and at some point will change. And when it changes, if your security is in that, if your security is in how much money you got in the bank, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when the dollar is no good? You can have, as Paul said, the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's able to keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I want you to meditate on this between now and next time. Between now and next time, meditate on, think on, let it 
sink down into your heart so you, you emotionally feel it. I am, think on this, the focus of God's love. I am loved by God and nothing can change that. That reality starts mending the sore places in our emotions and life gets a lot better. We'll pick it up next time, go a little bit further with it. I don't know how many weeks we're going to be on this. We'll just go until we, you know, like Brother Hagan used to say, and sometimes we don't get to the caboose, we just have to unhook. But we're going to go as long as uh, I feel uh, the Holy Spirit leading me. Let God, I said at the beginning, let God speak to you about what I say because what he says is more important than what I'm going to communicate. Next time.